Um, so tonight we are starting the first of four weeks in a series around whole of life faith. Um, Daniel was going to um, share this little frame up, but unfortunately he is um, a bit unwell, getting a little bit of a head cold, as some of us will know is kind of kicking around at this time of the year. But he and Holly did manage to get the worksheets slash take home resources to us here, and even in the snazzy yellow folder, um, and stapled. So um, yeah, we're really high tech here with the stationery tonight. Um, so I'm going to hang those out in a bit, but I'll just hold on to them for now. So this is the bit that Dan was going to share um, around framing up this four weeks. So each week in our service, we do good stories. And this is a chance um, where we get to share where we've seen God in the week. And this is just one way that we practice reminding ourselves that the whole of our life is a space where God is present. So we are doing this four week series about whole of life faith to really reinforce this idea. Uh, We will talk about practices and rhythms, um, which we kind of put into our lives to reflect Uh, this way of living. We will have these four weeks looking at rhythms of rest and work, of connection, of prayer, and generosity. We believe that um, any of us can live a whole-of-life faith in any context. At Blueprint, uh, we have a specific thing we run called chapters, which is, um, I guess, a way of training in patterns of faith with other people together. We want to promote chapters at this time as one form, that we can step into to train into a whole-of-life faith. It's not the only way to do this, but it is one way, um, and it has been a key way that this community has discipled people into um, committing to rhythms and practices um, that can be pretty hard to develop just on your own. And so tonight, um, I'm kicking off this four weeks, and I'm going to be talking about what could be said to be the thing that we do 100% of the time, which is work, and rest. (laughs) Um, So I feel like it's, you know, it's pretty big categories, Um, but we're going to particularly hone in on work. Um, So as I was thinking about this topic, I was thinking about, um, oh man, so many different things. I was like, this is so interesting. There's so much to this. And I really started to zoom out. um, And I was thinking about at a very fundamental level, what it means to be alive. Like, what is it that we need to be alive and to be sustained. And so I thought I'd ask you guys, um, do you know what the five basic human kind of needs are for survival? Water. Food. Yep, water. Shelter. Food, <coughs> shelter. Warmth. Warmth. Warmth, yep, warmth. Shelter. shelter, yep, warmth together, yep. Screens. Screens. <laughs> <laughs> that one didn't make the list. I can't believe I missed that one off the list. Yeah. What are the new young people called? Not the, is it Gen Z? Is that the newest one? Gene <laughs> Gen Who? Alpha. Yeah, the screens will make their list day. Eh? Anyway, no, carry on. We've missed one. Connection. Yeah. Who said sleep? Petra. Got it. So the five basic individual needs we need are clean air, water, nutrients, so food, shelter, warmth, and sleep. And then someone in here said some of the other ones which are kind of things we need at like a group level. What are a couple of the things we need at a group level? Community. Community, yeah, connection, emotional connection and belonging, beautiful. So we have individual needs, then we have these kind of communal needs. And then um, another way to look at this is that we have core kind of psychological and spiritual needs. And there's four of these that I've got. Does anyone know what the kind of four held up classic psychological needs we are, have is? Spirituality. Pardon? Spirituality. 
for a trolley. Yeah, okay, yep. Safety. Safety? Yeah. Self-actualization. Yeah, nice. Self-actualization. I've got on here progress or growth. So, yep. Safety and progress on my list. I think spirituality is a good one, but that's almost like the whole realm. <laughs> couple more. Do people know? Security. Nice. Yeah, security and safety. Okay, I'm going to give you the last two. The last two are innocence and significance. So as humans, we need clean air, water, nutrients. We need shelter and sleep. We need to belong to others and we need to have emotional connection. And we have these needs around safety, innocence, um, progress or growth and significance. And this is common to all of us, that we need to tend this in our bodies and we need to tend those connections with each other. Um, and this is kind of like the basic, but like also really beautiful stuff of surviving. And we need to also care for the world around us so we have that clean air, we have that shelter, we have those nutrients. And I want to start tonight on sleep. We spend about a third of our time sleeping, which is incredible. <laughs> um, it's so amazing that we go into this state where we're like not actively doing anything, and yet it's incredibly core to our survival and to our life. Kalen was already given a massive ups to sleep, um, courtesy of afternoon naps. Huge promo from him earlier. Do people know what we do when we sleep? What, what actually happens for us? Why do we need sleep? Uh, yep, cells restoration. Yep. I actually had to look this up. I was like, why is it that we need to sleep? Yep. <laughs> Fend off the moodiness. Yeah. So our cells um, need to communicate and reorganize. Um, it helps support um, our brains being healthy when we sleep. Um, it gives a chance for our brains to store and process information that we've received in the day. And there's also a process of getting rid of waste uh, from our body that happens when we sleep. Um, it's a chance for the body to repair cells and restore energy, um, releases molecules like hormones and proteins. So there's this whole like bodily work that happens when we're in this state of rest. And all of this stuff is just kind of straight facts that are out there either in kind of the medical community or the psychological community or um, this is information about what it is to be human. Um, and all of this stuff is um, just core to what we need to do each day. And God is deeply interested and connected to all of it. What Jesus says, as he's quoted in Luke 10, in Matthew 22, and in Mark 12, um, summarizing what it means to live right before God, is to love God with our whole selves, with our strength, our physicality, with our heart, our emotions, and our thoughts, with our souls, to spiritually connect with God. And then interwoven into this is to love our neighbor as ourself. The whole law is summed up Love the God who loved you first. Love with your whole life. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so as we talk about patterning our lives around this love, this love for God, this love for self, caring for ourselves and our own needs, this love for neighbor, and the love for God's world, we need to organize our lives around this stuff. We need to make sure we get the time to sleep, that we get water, that we look out for our neighbor. Have they got their shelter? Have they got their food? We actually need to kind of get into a pattern of life that's life-giving for us and for those around us. And uh, that is an expression of love to God. And so this is some of what we're talking about tonight.
Um, I just felt like going there, zooming us right, right back out of like what it really means to be human. Yeah. So I think that in this journey um, of these four weeks um, around how we organise our lives, what patterns we have, and having a chance to reassess those, I think for some of us, um, there might be some things that hit us around things that we might want to let go and be like, wow, actually, um, there are many, many things I'm fitting into my time and some of them I might want to let go of. It might be an omission that actually there was too much that I put into my week and I've been putting into my weeks. For others, there might be a deepening awareness that changes who you are and what you're already doing. You actually might not change what you're doing in this journey, but you might reconsider a deeper level of what it means to be doing that, who you're becoming as you're doing that. Um, And it might be for some of you that you think, yeah, there's actually some things I want to pick up. There's some practices that are missing and having um, an integrated and a full life. Loving God, loving self, loving neighbour. And so where I want to start tonight with this is around rest. Not just because I had a sleep in today, um, which I did, which was awesome, um, but because at a biological level, we have to rest before we work. And at a theological level, um, the Hebrew people understood that their day started at dusk. It started with eating and connection together and then rest, and then from that, they worked. This is why on some calendars, the week starts with Sunday. If you guys ever wondered or like noticed that, that actually Sunday is kind of this day of rest, classically, that then flows into our week. And so a lot of calendars have Sundays, the first day of the week. So given we spend a third of our time sleeping, sleep is a really important type of rest. It's sacred. There's this guy, Richard Foster, who calls this the first spiritual discipline. Before we can pray or do work of justice, we have to attain sleep. We need to be rested. Sleep is a confession. We are creatures. We need to let our bodies process and repair. We have limits. Our bodies have needs, and that's humbling and sacred. Alongside sleep, we also need waking rest, moments where we're refreshed, moments in our week where we turn from what our work is and we do something different, and that difference is good, and that difference fills us back up so that we can return to whatever it is our work is, whatever we're pouring our energy out for, or something new in the tank. Uh, When I first came to faith, um, it was in my early teens, um, my friend uh, that kind of brought me along to church and brought me to faith, her family was really big on everyone in their family getting a really good night's sleep, but they were quite kind of strict about it, and I was really interested and shook by this. Um, But it was like a really kind of core way in their family they sought to honour God and to love each other well. They were just like, if people aren't getting enough sleep in this household, shit is going to go down. Like, there are three kids, there's like both working parents, like, there was a lot of responsibilities and commitments that were just like, y'all need to be sleeping. Um, And I was just like, struck by that, that they were like, this is a really core, important, like, worshipful thing to honour in our family and in how we organise our time. So depending on our personalities, how we spend our waking rest um, will look really different. Some people that will be like really energetic and outside, other people that will be quiet and stationary. There's a whole bunch of different ways that we can, um, we can rest. And I want to share a quote with you about Sabbath, which is the concept that um, God kind of commanded the Israelites after they'd been brought out of slavery to tell them, yo, you guys shouldn't be working 24-7. You actually need to have a day off, set apart from the rest, for refreshment and to remember your creator. And this is something that maybe some of you guys practice, a day of Sabbath, um, 
or a part day of Sabbath. It's a practice that people have kept holding on to because of the importance of taking time apart from our work. So John Mark Comer says this about Sabbath. Sabbath is an expression of faith. Faith that there is a creator and he's good. We are his creation. This is his world. We live under his roof, drink his water, eat his food, breathe his oxygen. So on the Sabbath, we don't take a day off from work. We take a day off from toil. We give him all our fear and anxiety and stress and worry. We let go. We stop ruling and subduing and we just be. We remember our place in the universe so that we never forget there is a God and we are not him. And so I would like you to turn to some people around you and say to one another, what's your favourite kind of rest? And what is one thing you've done that was restful this weekend? All right, crew, I'm going to bring us back in. So I've just handed out um, the little handout, which um, I guess is like a, a tool or a resource for the next four weeks. But right, if you turn to the very back, there's a little table um, which has each of these four themes that we're looking at. Um, we're on today, work and rest. Um, if you came up with something or you were reminded of something about um, how you practice rest, you could write that down under the section that says, what do you do? Or you might want to kind of wait until you get home and spend more time with it. But the idea with this resource is that it gives a little bit of like a summarised corridor about each of these points. It gives you um, some practices that you can refer to, an explanation of like different types of praying, different um, resources around like more learning. But there's that little table at the back, which is a chance for us to really actually think about like, what is the stuff we put in our life? What is it that we do? What is it that we love that we don't do? Why is that? What are the barriers there? Um, and so, yeah, along with that, I would encourage you just, you know, this is, this is for you. This is your guys' work. Um, but an encouragement would, would be to, like, actually have a look at your calendar and, like, look at, like, ah, oh, what what's coming up? How do I spend my time? What does that look like? And really kind of um, take time with this. Um, but, yeah, just to feed back to the room, it will be cool to hear um, some of the different ways that people like to rest because what's beautiful is that um, we're wired differently and so this looks different for... Um, each of us. So do a few people want to just share what rest and recreation looks like for you? Puzzles. Puzzles. So beautiful. Coffees with close friends. Coffee. Connection with friends. Beautiful. Whoosh. Being in nature. Reading. Online. Being online. Is there a specific thing online like reading, playing games? Reading, yeah, reading. Yeah, reading. Yep. Yeah. Couple more? Exercise so the body chills out. Exercise, yeah. So good. Do you have a particular favourite kind of exercise? Running. Taekwondo. Taekwondo. Awesome. <laughs> Cooking. Cooking, yeah, so good. Yep, creative stuff, making. Awesome. Well, hopefully this is kind of like stirring some, some things for you because um, our rest is really important. Our sleeping rest, our waking rest is important. And it's a way that we um, can actually love God and love ourselves uh, by tending to and being responsible for um, the bodies and the lives that we've been given. So I'm going to pivot now uh, from rest to work. Having work to do is part of God's purpose for all humans. In the Genesis story, um, we hear God giving humans responsibility in the world to tend and to care they are told, be fruitful and multiply. 
So a kind of narrow interpretation of this would be shack up and have babies. But it's so much more. I don't want a baby. <laughs> don't want a baby, fair enough. Grow gardens, sew garments, write songs, build spaces to gather in, create and play sports, develop art, sing, dance, weave, tend the earth, care for other creatures, develop networks of family, care for each other, care for the land. This is some of what being fruitful and multiplying encompasses. All people, men and women, young and old, are made in the image of God. This is the story we have in Genesis. And they have dignity and worth. Life is sacred. Work is good. And all of this is established prior to the entry of the fall and sin and death into the kind of picture of the world. And within the world of sin and death, the truth um, of the dignity of each person does remain. So no matter how fallen or marred our image of ourselves, um, how far we feel from the image of God, we all have dignity. God loves us all still um, and is calling us to kind of peel back those layers uh, to let that beautiful image of God in each of us shine out. I'm going to read a quote here from um, a textbook um, called, uh, what is it called, Self, Society and something else. It was one of my um, theology textbooks last year. But particularly in a fallen world, human government, and this is like with a lowered case G, kind of like humans organising themselves, becomes necessary to order social life, to protect basic human rights, and to restrain the destructive outworkings of human sinfulness. All societies have ways of raising children, caring for the weak, providing for the elderly, governing their own affairs, coping with crises. All societies also have some form of creative expression, Art, music, dance, rituals, oral traditions, literature, the like. God's creation order does not call for uniformity in the way that these various relationships are structured. But the creation order does require maintaining the underlying ethical values such as protecting human dignity, stewardship of the environment, justice and compassion. So there's this work mandate that's given, this responsibility that's given in the Genesis story. Um, and it's given to all people. It's written into the core of what it means to be human, to take responsibility, to tend the world, to create within it. And this is this kind of idea that we heard around um, progress and purpose and significance that's actually like a really core need of ours, is to, um, we're made to do things, um, to put our energy somewhere. And as Christian people, we aren't exempt from this. We don't have a, a whole monopoly on this. God calls all people into purposeful living. But as Christian people, um, we are called into this as well. And we're called into it uh, with the recognition um, that there's brokenness in the world because of sin. And with the hope that Jesus came to bring in um, a kingdom that he will fulfill. He inaugurated his kingdom, but he will fulfill the purposes of the kingdom to restore all the things that are broken. And we get to work towards those purposes with him as he leads us now. So we live in this hope um, in our work that God's kingdom rule will be restored through all creation, that um, all these values and relationships will be brought back into perfect alignment, back into shalom, into perfect peace. 
And this is our, our hope um, that we saw started um, in Jesus' ministry on the earth here, that we saw in um, his resurrection from the death, that these um, death and sin don't get the final say, but there is newness of life and newness of hope that's possible. And we continue to live into that, that resurrection hope. So we know our work is not in vain. The sum total of our hopes for planet Earth are not simply how good we are as humans or how hard we try, but that God labours with us in our work and God themselves are working. Richard Foster again says this thing about work. Um, And here I want you um, to imagine the thing that you spend a good chunk of your time doing. That might be paid, it might be unpaid, it might be kind of formally recognised or sort of like an informal situation. Something that you spend a decent amount of your week putting your energy and your heart into. I'm going to read, once you've got that, I'm going to read that quote. God works first through the ordinary experiences of daily life to form the character of Christ in us. Through these, we come to know deeply that Jesus is always with us. He never leaves or forsakes us, and we can cast our care upon him. In addition, we learn that the ordinary life is sacramental, that divine guidance is given primarily in these common junctures of life. The most foundational of these character-forming experiences is found in our work. Work places us into the stream of divine action. We are sub-creators, In saying these things, I'm not referring to sharing our faith at work or praying throughout work. Both of these things are good. But I'm referring to the sacredness of the work itself. As you and I care for our daily tasks, we are glorifying God in the work itself. Now this can be a kind of startling idea because... um, As he says, the thing of sharing our faith and praying throughout our work, both are very good things, and both are things that get a lot of airtime in church. But actually, the work itself is an opportunity uh, for worship. It's a, a sacred thing in itself. It's living into this call we have to have work, to have purpose, to put our time and energy somewhere. And I've been thinking about this quote a bit over the last three weeks, Um, And I was thinking about two kind of like housework spaces for me. Um, One where I find it really easy to believe that I'm glorifying God and I feel connected to God. And one where I find it really hard. (laughs) Um, My really easy one is mending things. I find it very kind of therapeutic and sort of incarnational to like fix something that's broken. Like there's a tear in my jeans and I patch it up. Even if I do it badly, it feels like, ah, I'm giving dignity back to this thing that was broken and it can have another life. And that feels kind of like holy and good. Something that I loathe is cleaning the shower. Um, And so I've been really mindful when I occasionally clean the shower um, that I'm like, this can be an offering of worship. This can be a a moment where this this is dignified as a sacred thing because I am tending this space. And so I want you to turn to the person next to you. Quickly, what is a task in your work where it's easy to experience God? You're like, oh, this is beautiful. And where's one where it's not? Not so easy. All right, friends, that probably wasn't enough time for you to all share, but hopefully again got some ideas stirring. Um, So there's this guy, Martin Luther, 
Did, not Martin Luther King Jr. He's a different guy. Um, does anyone know who Martin Luther is? If you do, shout at me some things. What, what, what was he about? He nailed the things to the door. Nailed the things to the door? Reformation? What was that? Why the Lutherans exist? Yep. Cool. There was some other chat here. I missed that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, what were some of the things he nailed to the door? Do we know? What were kind of the vibes he was about? I think it's just cross about some way Christianity was being run. Yeah. And the Bible said a different things, so he wrote on the paper. Yeah. That's pretty good. He was cross about some things about how Christianity was being run. Yep, nice. He was like cross about like corruption and stuff, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very into like premiums. Yeah, and the Bible being like accessible to people instead mm. of just kind of mediated through church leadership. Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, great stuff, everybody. So Martin Luther, back in the 1400s, um, he really had a lot of strong ideas that he wanted to push forward that he felt like had really been kind of let go um, by the church. Um, he was a really revolutionary teacher, so he is kind of was sort of the starting point of why we have the Catholic Church and then kind of everybody else, the Protestants. He was that guy. Um, and he was really into the priesthood of all believers. So at the time, um, scripture was only in Latin and um, a lot of people were illiterate and many other things, which meant that like knowledge of the word of God was not accessible to a lot of the ordinary people. Um, and he was really championing the ordinary people. So when he gave, this is Richard Foster kind of quoting about something that Luther was about. He said, when he gave his revolutionary teaching about the priesthood of all believers, he was referring not just to the fact that the plowboy or the milkmaid could do priestly or liturgical work, like they could be kind of church leader, even though they're kind of ordinary, humble people, but that the plowing and the milking themselves were priestly work. So when he gave his revolutionary teaching about the priesthood of all believers, he was referring not just to the fact that the plowboy or the milkmaid could do the priestly or liturgical work, but that the plowing and the milking themselves were priestly work. He goes on to say that if we are working for the audience of one, we will find Jesus to be our constant companion and friend, even if our mahi is as mundane as picking up sticks. That the heart posture we bring to our work, even if it's very, very ordinary, can be um, this daily offering, this kind of priestly work of tending the earth, picking up the sticks. <laughs> and that is beautiful in God's sight. So we can um, easily make our work about other things. We can do it for our ego. We can do it for our popularity, for our own um, kind of personal sense of um, achievement or being safe in the world. We can do it for our own power, for self-preservation. But what Richard Foster is observing here is that when we work for this audience of one, we will grow in intimacy with God and in patience with others. He says we will experience divine care and supernatural guidance in the most ordinary of circumstances, like finding the problem with the dishwasher or finding the words for a difficult situation. Jesus, we must remember, spent most of his life in what we'd call the trades. He was a carpenter. He didn't wait until he was 30 and got baptised by John to discover God. Far from it, Jesus validated the reality of God in the carpentry shop workshop 
over and over before speaking of God and his ministry as a rabbi. And so for each of us, I want you to hear tonight, this is, this, as I said, it's a quite long talk. For each of us, our lives matter to God. And how we spend the time and the energy of our lives matters to God. God wants to be present in our work, with us in it, and for it to be um, what we do um, as an audience to him. So this is one really important type of work. Our ordinary work is sacred and important to God. And all people, um, all humans are made with purpose and our work is good for us all. But in Jesus, we have another type of work that weaves into this work. And it's the work of Jesus' good news, which we are to live out and share with others as we go about our daily lives. I was at a talk yesterday at training day where someone was talking about the Great Commission, um, which is what Jesus instructs his disciples in before he leaves earth um, and goes to be with the Father. And it's where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in my name. And the person that was talking was making the point that the translation of go is more like as you go. So while you're doing your daily life things, as you're going, it's in that space that the ministry of discipleship happens. While you're there picking up the sticks, (laughs) let that be an opportunity uh, to, yeah, call people into the good news of Jesus. Um, In the Anglican um, prayer book, there's this thing that says, um, kind of it's talking about um, the ordination of like deacons and priests and bishops. And then it talks about what everybody, the whole family of God, what our kind of ordained ministry is as kind of the priesthood of all believers. And it says, by the Holy Spirit, all who believe and are baptized receive a ministry to proclaim Jesus as Savior and Lord. So proclaim. And to love and serve, love and serve, the people with whom we live and work. In Christ, they are to bring about redemption, to reconcile and to make whole. They are to be salt for the earth. They are to be light for the world. And this calling really sums it up. Um, Where we work, where we live, um, those who are immediately around us, we are to love and serve them. And we are to seek Jesus' redemption activity in their lives. As Anneli said last week, we're given the work of blessing, a ministry of blessing to those around us. So all of this is, um, is very good. Our ordinary work can be an offering to God and our, our ministry in Jesus is to be woven into that. But we all know we struggle with rest and work. Just this weekend, I've struggled to rest when I wanted to rest and work when I wanted to work. And then I was procrastinating from the work that I wanted to do by doing some other work that I didn't really need to do. Like, you know, can you relate? Um, (laughs) And I was, to be honest, I don't often have an elated feeling of God is with me when I'm doing the dishes. Sometimes, sometimes I do. But I'm trying to make it a habit of... Knowing and reminding myself, like, God is here. This is the gift of the everyday, of being alive. I'm created in the image of God, and this ordinary is sacred. And to be like, Holy Spirit, what are you drawing my attention to? Where are you wanting me to bring redemption? Where is your light needing to be seen in this day? And I want to land this talk with, um, I guess, bringing it into, like, what does this kind of look like in practice? Because I think what we're talking about when we're talking about work 
Maybe some of you during this four-week series are going to have a change of vocation. Like possibly some people will discern, actually, I think I need to reassess what I'm spending the bulk of my time on. That's possible. But I think maybe for a lot of us, it will be more about how we change how we are engaging with our work, how we change how we are engaging with our rest, and we tweak a bit. Open to God kind of calling people into like totally different stuff, and I hope you guys are too. But I think um, what I expect is that out of this, we're going to um, have a shaped posture around our choices around rest and work. And so in order to do that, um, we need to actually invite Jesus in. There's this image in Revelation about um, Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And I think this is a really beautiful image for us around the fact that God respects human agency and human will. God does not bulldoze anyone for God's purposes or what God wants to happen. God stands at the door and knocks and invites us through that knocking to say, come in. You're welcome to come in. And so I think for us, our little practices of prayer, of um, reminding ourselves in the day, is like that opportunity to say, come in. Come in, Jesus. You're welcome here. Or another way to think about this, kind of technological um, analogy, is you know how um, with an app it will say to you, will you allow push notifications? (laughs) So I think our moments of prayer are kind of like that. It's like, okay, God, throughout the day, the background app of like your spirit can be working and I'll allow you to give me the push notifications that can like interrupt me in the midst of what I'm doing. Because when we're doing brain surgery or building a table or demolishing a building or vacuuming people's earwax out of their ear canal or whatever it is we're doing <laughs> in our day, we aren't necessarily like reverently thinking about Jesus. But that work can still be good if we have offered it to God if at the end of it we offer it to God, and if we are being open to God being at work in it. Do you hear what I'm saying there? Mm, So a couple of practices that are this kind of background app invitation slash Jesus standing at the door and knocking invitation. One, I want to put the challenge out there, is to say the Lord's Prayer in the morning. You might want to do other things, but just inviting your kingdom come, your will be done, your provision in my day. Keep me um, in forgiveness and love towards those around me. Protect me. Guide me. Another one in the evening, which is in your little um, sheet, is an awareness examine. So this is a a way to reflect on the day. God, where were you in the day? And where where weren't you? Where did I just kind of roll ahead and ignore that notification? A chance to look back over the day so that we're getting tuned in more and more to what it's like to have the voice of God in our day-to-day lives. And here on Sunday, what we do each time we gather is we do pray the Lord's Prayer as an invitation each week. And we take the Eucharist as a symbol of being sustained by Jesus, of being empowered by the Spirit. We say, go now to love and serve the Lord, go in peace. And each of us goes to different places in service of God and in walking with God. Each day... um, There's a crew that meet down at St. Peter's for evening prayers at 6.30pm. That's a chance to pray and offer um, the end of your day to God. There's also a crew at St. Peter's that meets in the morning at like 7.30am if you wanted to join them. And so what I want to finish with is this little um, scripture from Romans 12. I would like um, you guys to shut your eyes and to imagine yourself in a setting of work, wherever that is for you. 
So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Amen.